Have you ever had a loved one leave the church and your relationship becomes awkward? This is so common and so sad. I got the chance to interview the Packard family who have been down this road. Cindy and Blair Packard are Orthodox believing parents and Josh, their son, and his wife have left the church. We came together to discuss their journey and it was amazing what they taught. They talked about the communications they regretted and how other siblings responded in positive and negative ways. They learned how to pick up the pieces again, express love, carry on, and build a beautiful relationship. This has become a favorite in the Questioning Saints virtual library. You can actually gain access to this interview at leadingsaints.org 14. This will give you 14 days to watch the Packards interview and many others related to helping individuals who begin to question their faith. Go to leadingsaints.org 14 and get access now. Welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Now, for many of you that are brand new uh, to Leading Saints, it's important that you know that Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization, 501c3, dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation. We get so much positive feedback on the podcast, our virtual conferences, the articles on our website. You definitely got to check it out at leadingsaints.org. And on their homepage at leadingsaints.org, you can actually find the top six most downloaded episodes to the podcast. So if you're new, like the content, want to jump in to some of our most popular episodes, head there after you listen to this episode. The following episode is a throwback episode, one that was published previously and was extremely popular. To see the details of when this was originally published, see the show notes. Enjoy this throwback episode. This episode is on more of a personal note. We talked with one of my counselors when I was a bishop, who's now no longer a member of the church. And so I encourage you to buckle up, listen closely, and I won't uh, regurgitate the introduction that we do during the episode, but it's definitely a different type of episode that I generally do, but I feel like it articulates a crucial part of leadership, and that is relationships between leaders and those that doubt in the church and how we can help them stay. So here is my interview with Heath Becker. This is Heath Becker. How are you, Heath? I'm doing great. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, well, Heath and I go, I don't know if I'd say way back, but in, in the world of the Lee Ward, uh, we we go back. I consider Heath a great friend, and he was my last second counselor when I served as bishop. He was one of my counselors when I was uh, released. And uh, this episode, I'm sort of just wrestling with where to start with it a little bit. But I would say, man, I mean, I, <laughs> we'll just stick with the facts. So yeah. Heath was my, my second counselor and you are no longer a member of the church. Yeah, that's right. 
and it isn't because you were excommunicated. I know. <laughs> but it was, uh, as my, I'm, you can tell I'm just nervous laughing here. You had your name removed from the records of the church. Yeah. Right? In, uh, in June of this year. 2016. The, yeah. 2016. My wife and I and our three kids, we resigned yeah. from the church. And uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. And I first want to uh, have make some clarifications up, up front is one, this wasn't necessarily my idea, though I, I maybe provoked it a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I didn't go to your house and say, hey, you want to talk about, let's have an interview about your, your uh, experience leaving the church and these things. But obviously there's a friendship there. And so it's not like because you're, your relationship with the church ended that uh, our relationship ended, and and we were we weren't just uh, friends on a on a bishopry level. I mean, our families have gone to Disneyland before with other uh, mem- other uh, families that we served with in our ward, and and we live practically next door to each other. We see each other. Our kids are similar ages, so it's definitely not just uh, hey, we are in the same calling, and you seem like a nice guy. I mean, it, it definitely goes uh, deeper than that. It wasn't my my request, but we've been talking, and you've yeah. been you've been helping you've been helping us establish this. File all of our nonprofit 501c3 paperwork, right? Yeah, I, you know, I'm an attorney and I started a nonprofit this year. And so I'm kind of helping you yeah. with this nonprofit paperwork. Yeah. And you've been a lifesaver. You know, I had a, another attorney that was helping me. He got busy, you know, no fault to him. He, uh, he just helped me as much as he could. And I was in need of knowing what to do to just get this filed so that we could be recognized as a nonprofit. And I know that you've recently set up your uh, law firm as a nonprofit immigration law, law firm. And so you were more than happy to, to show me through this or walk me through this and help me figure out how to do it. And so I can't thank you enough for doing that. But but during that process, you know, we've gone to lunch a lot together and just talked uh, some things through about your experience. And so, and, and I think we, you listen to various podcasts and yeah. we were talking about your experience. And I think at one point you said, Hey, you can interview me sort of jokingly. And I said, Hey man, I would totally love that. Cause the conversations we have are so insightful, especially for me. I think you've benefited from them and uh, just, you know, it's two friends talking. So, yeah, you know, and I, I thought this might be a good idea too, because, you know, we left the church about three months ago. We stopped going to church, you know, a few months before that. And it's just, you know, we've been completely open about it with like family and friends and stuff. And, you know, we haven't tried to hide anything and it's just, but nobody, like nobody wants to like talk to us about it, you know, like, yeah. It's so, like the big elephant in the room and it's like, hey, like, let's talk about anything but that, right? Yeah, exactly. So I guess, you know, maybe like we had the expectation that maybe some people would maybe like ask us about it, you know, or want to know like why or, you know, like what's going on or, you know, but really like, it's like, okay, you resigned. Okay. You know, and yeah. it's just, there's been a few like, you know, very short conversations about it, but that, you know, like nothing, like, so I thought maybe this might be a good way you know, to talk about it. And, and then maybe like a way for like people that know me and my wife and, and our kids, like they could hear the story without having to, you know, it's an awkward conversation yeah. and it's something difficult to talk <laughs> and about. And I'm the lucky one that gets to have it. This great heat. Yeah. No, just kidding. And another thing I want to want, another point I want to make before we really dig into this is this isn't meant to be like a, a recorded counseling session. I'm not trying to counsel you. Uh, you're not necessarily trying to counsel me. We're not trying to fix anything. Yeah. We're not hoping by the end of this that we change one another's minds. Um, and I think the one unique thing about this is that you're not, at least I haven't filled, felt a whole uh, that much, if any, of bitterness from you as far as towards the church. You know, you're not like, like some people leave the church and be like, all right, let's go burn it down type thing. You know, uh-huh. like yeah. what they're doing is horrible. What And, and I've never 
felt that, you know? And so, and I think that goes into, and we'll get into the story of that, but so one, uh, this isn't something I'm just chasing people down who have uh, resigned from the church and trying to interview them. Uh, one, we're friends. Uh, two, I've, I've gained so much from our conversations. I've learned so much about myself as a leader. So if anything, this is not necessarily an analysis of you and your situation, but analysis of my situation as a leader. Um, obviously, Leading LDS being a leadership podcast, I hope that individuals that listen to this are obviously mainly leaders and that they walk away from this thinking, Hmm, I wonder if there's somebody like Heath in my ward and how can I reach out to them and help them? Um, and the thing is, they, they, as I think about this, is I don't necessarily feel like I'm a horrible leader. And again, it's not my fault. I had, you know, it's not that I didn't, I should have done this and, you know, you would have never left or I should have done that and I could have, you know, sent you a different direction. But nonetheless, I learned things as far as how I perceive individuals in my ward, what they're struggling with and so forth. But so let's just go back and maybe build some context around your story because you have sort of a unique story, a unique story as it is. You weren't raised in the traditional uh, Mormon family. Maybe give us in five minutes kind of that background of your upbringing. Yeah, I mean, you, my family are are LDS. You know, going back a long ways. Well, at least you know on my mom's side. But I was um, raised like kind of half time with my mom, half time with my grandparents. I spent eight years with my grandparents. Um, and, and they were LDS. Um, and this was in Missouri, right? Yeah. I grew up in Missouri. Um, my, you know, my mom, like pretty much the entire time I was growing up, like, I think she was, you know, she didn't go to church. She started to go to church when I was on my mission. Hmm. Um, but my grandparents were, were pretty active. Um, and me personally, I started going to church, um, you know, consistently on a regular basis when I was a junior in high school, uh, I was living with my grandparents and, uh, and you know, like, um, I started dating a LDS girl and I started going to church and then I started going to early morning seminary and, um, hanging out with the missionaries a lot. And, you know, it, it was, it was a great support network and great friends. And, you know, then it made me want to serve a mission and I served a mission after high school and I went to Ecuador. Um, and obviously learned Spanish and that Spanish has blessed you in your career as yeah. an immigration attorney. You, you yep. use it every day. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, I, Exactly. So, you know, Mormonism has definitely, you know, shaped my life and who I am yeah. and, and, and my family. And I went to undergrad at BYU-Idaho and I went to law school at BYU Law School. You know, as as you were serving as my counselor, near the end of being released, it sort of, we had some conversations that sort of brought this to the surface that you had been, um, you'd been struggling for a while as far as, you know, the testimony goes. And I'm going to use all the cliches that maybe don't, you know, I don't mean to put you in a certain box or whatever, but, um, you know, there are some concerns with the, the history of the church. Would yeah. you say that, that categorizes it well, broadly enough? Um, and that started in law school, right? Well, you know, really it started, um, when I was an undergrad, um, about like 10 years ago, I think like around 2006, um, my father-in-law gave me the book rough stone rolling. Um, and you know, I read, um, probably more than half of it. And I just like closed it and I had to like not look at it anymore. Cause it was just bringing up so many things that, um, it, it was just, it wasn't the narrative, you know, that, um, that I knew about church history. Um, but then, you know, like I, I kinda, you know, they say the shelf, so I kind of just put it on the shelf. But then in law school, I took a class, um, since I went to BYU law school, there was a class on Joseph Smith and the law and kind of like, um, his legal battles 
um, with like the Kirtland Safety Society and mm-hmm. um, some things touching on like uh, polygamy and, and some other things. So I took a whole class on Joseph Smith mm-hmm. and, you know, lawsuits, trials, um, you know, it, it all kind of related back to the law. But um, but yeah, there was some things that like were discussed in that class that I just had never heard before. And yeah. to me were shocking. And so those were other things that I kind of, you know, put on the shelf and, and tried not to think about. Yeah. And those listening that may not be familiar with uh, Rough Stone Rolling, uh, it is a, a biography about Joseph Smith written by Richard Bushman, who's probably the scholar on Joseph Smith. And he's a he's a patriarch. This isn't like some um, out, you know, outlier third party book that is written by somebody bitter towards the church. This is a historic book that is very historic. And, um, and so you do go into some of those details of Joseph Smith that, you know, weren't taught in primary or, or young men's, young women's. Yeah. And, you know, and it's written by, um, like an active, faithful, believing member yeah. of the church. So it's not like anti-Mormon literature. Yeah. And so it's not that you got, you know, engulfed in this literature that just wasn't seeing things right, or they were twisting the truth. You know, it's a, it's a strong historic book that, um, you know, that I, I would have no hesitation recommending to individuals. And I think, uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners have read it and found it, uh, you know, there's a faith promoting as, uh, you know, helping you reanalyze your faith as well, as far as how you built your faith and your testimony. Yeah. Other people that have read it have told me like, oh, you know, that strengthened their testimony. Mm-hmm. But for me, it didn't, you know. And would you say that was sort of the 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 beginning of sort of uh, these questions and, and reanalyzing your testimony? Yeah, absolutely. You know, before before I read that book, I like I don't think I'd ever doubted ever you know, about Joseph Smith or the church or, you know, the church leaders. Yeah. So you go through that class and then, uh, you graduate law school. December, then, 2011. Yeah. Okay, this, in 2011. At this point you, you had been, you were married before, uh, law school, right? Yeah. I got married in 2004. Okay. And so you graduate law school, then you go off and start your career in law. And, and after that point, I mean, it's not like it, you sort of, you put it on the shelf at that point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not, I mean, I never, it never crossed my mind, you know, like stop going to church or anything. It just, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, um, I guess we'll, we'll find out, you know, after this life, what those answers are. So from there, you sort of, it's on the shelf. And then when did that shelf start to uh, break down? When, when was the next time I mean, you really had to reanalyze and take a hard look at things again? So, you know, um, after law school, I, I moved to, I got a job in Salt Lake City um, at a nonprofit um, as an immigration attorney. And I moved into the Lee Ward. And, um, you know, I was, I was uh, after, I don't know, like maybe a year or so or whatever I was called as the elders quorum president, Yeah, you know, that, I guess that was, you know, as a leadership calling, um, you, you know, like, and that was really your first official leadership calling, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like I, I'd taught in like Sunday school or like priesthood lessons and stuff before, but, um, not like a leader, you know? And so I felt like, um, yeah. You, I just felt like, you know, like a leader needs to have a strong testimony, like they can't have doubts. Um, and so like really it became my goal to like kind of extinguish all doubts um, and and just like have like a, I don't know how to describe it, just like a unbreakable testimony kind of thing, you know, like strengthen my testimony, like get, get rid of any lingering doubts or anything that I had in my mind. And, and so that was my mission, you know. Um, so it seems like is that call. And I remember when, uh, you, you know, I submitted your name to the state presidency you had to be the elder scorn president. So that for you, you just, you sort of had to go back to that shelf and you had to say, if I'm going to be a leader in this church, I'm going to have to get rid of the shelf. Right. Yeah. Whether that was right or wrong. And, and as we go through this, it, it, again, this isn't some, we're just telling the story, whether 
I'm right or wrong, whether you're right or wrong, doesn't matter. Yeah. This is your story. And and I would say like, you know, I like even today, like, I mean, I, I don't claim to know any of the answers, you know, like I, I still don't know what the answers are. Um, yeah. And this is what the part, and we'll maybe get to it. That was, as we talked after um, you resigned from the church, that really, that really surprised me is it wasn't a, it wasn't that you had now um, arrived to a determination. You now have the answers and I'm, and it's not in the church. It's out of the church. I, and I don't know if we're like jumping too far ahead here, but really like um, the decision to resign was because um, it just, I don't know, like maybe, maybe I need, maybe we need to talk more about the backstory, but like, you know, like, so I was elders quorum president um, really trying to just like figure out, um, just, you know, grow my testimony. So every prayer um, every day became, you know, part of it is like, help me um, to not doubt and help me to strengthen my testimony and, and to know without a doubt that, that the church is true. And it, you know, I never crossed my mind that the church wasn't true. It's just, I, you know, I knew that I didn't have like this super, you know, like unwavering, no, without a shadow of a doubt testimony that I wanted to have, but I never thought like it wasn't true. Yeah. Because in your mind, uh, being a leader in the church, uh, leaders in the church don't have that shelf. Yeah. It's, and if they do, it's empty. Yeah. Right. And so now, now I'm a leader in the church. And so I need to get rid of the shelf in order to be an effective leader. Yeah. Right? And, and really, I mean, like when I got called into the bishopric as the, the second counselor, it, it was basically the same thing, but just intensified, you know, because like you got a, um, you know, every, you know, on a regular basis, kind of like direct, um, sacrament meeting, um, you have to like bear your testimony in sacrament meeting yeah. during um, fast and testimony. Yeah, meeting, right. Exactly. When you're conducting those meetings. Um, and then like more than that, just like when you go to Sunday school or like, you know, you're attending like, um, you know, the priesthood meeting or something like people, people will look to you, you know, like when there's like questions in the class, like, Oh, well, what do you think brother Becker? You know, you're a member yeah. of the bishopric. Like you're supposed to know the answers. You're supposed to like, you know, like be a spiritual leader and, and have like real insightful things to say. And, um, it just, I just, you know, like, it's just, I, I, I got to the point when, when I was in the bishop and I wasn't in the bishopric for more than a year, I think like total, it was maybe I think it was about a year, but, about a year. Okay. Yeah. But like, it just, it got, it just got increasingly where like, I, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't think the church wasn't true, but like, I, I got to the point where I like, I couldn't say that I knew that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And, and I, you know, and that in your mind, that just didn't line up with how a leader is supposed to lead in the church. Exactly. So like when I would like bear my testimony and I, it would only be Christ, I thought like, oh man, people are going to be like, you know, I, it was just like these unfounded fears. I think, you know, like people were going to think like, well, how, you know, yeah, it's, that's a weak testimony, but like, it was just, it, you know, just cause, but I just, I don't know. I just couldn't say, you know, like that. I believe Joseph Smith was a prophet. Yeah. And this is such an interesting concept of of church culture that comes up because, you know, we, we're coming upon a general conference and, uh, you know, we're going to hear some incredible talks, some incredible testimonies. And, man, you look at somebody like Elder Holland, uh, you know, President Uchtdorf, and you just know, you, you know that they know. You know, they're not, yeah. not once have I felt like, oh, come on, like you're kind of uh, going overboard there. Or, you know, they always seem sincere. Yeah. And so, and we idolize these individuals, yeah. which, which we should, they're incredible leaders, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, not idolize in the, in the, the wrong fashion, but you know what I mean? And, 
and, and we want to be that leader that can stand and testify. Yeah. But sometimes if, if we create a culture that only leaders, that only effective leaders are the ones with the testimony that can do that, I think we're sort of hurting ourselves. We're making it very, uh, and we're not making, we're making the tent even smaller. Yeah. And, and I don't think like you are creating that culture, but like, right. I, as you're mentioning that, like I, I'm having this flashback to one of our bishopric meetings um, and like you would play a clip and it was a great clip, like, you know, but it was Elder Holland giving a talk about, you know, testimony and how like we shouldn't have like a weak, you know, testimony, but it should be a testimony where people could like kind of like warm their hands by oh, the yeah, fire yeah, yeah. of our testimony. Um, I wanted that. Like, I, I thought like I needed to have that. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to be a leader, like I need to have that testimony that Elder Holland was talking about. Um, and, and, and I've told you this, but I, um, you know, like I, I fasted, um, you know, on a regular basis to increase my testimony, to know that Joseph Smith was a prophet. You know, I went to the temple. Um, I prayed in the temple. You know, I read my scriptures. It just, it became, it became my quest, you know, to know. And, and part of that too was like the Book of Mormon because they go hand in hand, you know, because if right. the Book of Mormon's true, you know, Joseph Smith must have been a prophet. Yeah. Um, and so it just, it was just a lot of, a lot of prayer um, to, to, you know. Yeah to find out that that was, you know, true. And just to create some context for those that are listening, I, I want individuals to know that as I saw you serve, I mean, Heath is an incredible individual when it comes to just purely serving. Um, and, and he's looking very uncomfortable right now as I say this, but the reality is, is like, I, I don't think you ever really enjoyed the administrative side of these callings, you know, like, okay, go collect your num the home teaching numbers, or you got to meet, but when it came to like visiting, like I think of, uh, you know, Lance in the ward and, and I would see you invite him over for dinner and things like that. Like I just always idolize that. And I always thought, you know, I want to be that type of saint that does that. And so one miscon, and the reason I say that is one misconception that uh, many individuals, and, and I think it only takes about a few months in leadership when, when you, you can get rid of this misconception, but it's individuals that have doubts. It's not about because they're sinning or they're doing something wrong or they, they just really want to sin. And so they, they, these, uh, these doubts are just sort of a smoke screen to that. I mean, and, and this, what breaks my heart is that, you know, you were really were striving to be better. You were fasting, you were going to the temple and you were, you were, um, you know, just craving that certainty, but for whatever reason, it didn't come in the way that you expected it to, or if it came at all. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and I, I mean, like, that's the thing, like I look back on it and like, I mean, like, I, I don't know, like maybe God was trying to give me an answer and I just couldn't hear it or I wouldn't hear it. I don't know. That's the thing. Like I still, I just don't know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and as, as we've had these conversations in, in your office and such, um, uh, at one point you said that, uh, you don't think you would have left if you weren't put in the bishopric. <laughs> and I'm like, great. He thanks for blaming it on me, you know? But, yeah. and, um, but what you mean by that is it just turned up the, the dial on yeah. that pressure to be that leader who could stand and, and say, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, during that time we served together before you even let me know you were struggling with something, you seemed like there was a struggle going on yeah. and you're not, <laughs> you are, you, you aren't the type that necessarily is just going to open up and let these things pour out. And I think a lot of people are like that, but I, looking back, you know, with hindsight, it, it's more obvious that this was going on. 
that you were struggling with this. Yeah. Um, so, and, and let's uh, just kind of finish up the timeline here and we'll come back. And it came, basically, uh, I was called to the stake presidency. Uh, and uh, yeah. so a release, a release was coming. Um, we called the first counselor as the new bishop. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember that, and, and this, would you say, near the end there, this was sort of the pinnacle of of what you were going through, right? Yeah. Well, and, and like right before, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, because I mean, the, the bishopric got dissolved, like you said, because you got called into the state presidency, but um, probably just like a few weeks um, before that. Yeah, things just, I don't know. Do you want me to talk about it? I mean, yeah, let's do it. I mean, if you're comfortable with it. Yeah. I mean, like I just, it was such a struggle with me. Like I wanted so bad just to like, um, you know, like that burning in the bosom or, you know, however you want to describe it. Like I just wanted so bad like that, just like undeniable answer when you pray to know, you know, about the Book of Mormon or Joseph Smith. And I just, I, I couldn't get it, you know, um, or I just, I couldn't recognize it or whatever the answer is. Um, but I, you know, I, I became like increasingly like just depressed, um, and just incredibly just, um, um, I don't know, just, yeah, depressed is, is the word and for it. How, how did that manifest itself? I mean, were you, you take days off work? Would you sleep yeah. in? Would, I mean, what? So, I mean, yeah, like I just, I just, yeah. I mean, it, it was like, I was consumed by this. Like, is this true or is this not true? You know, I was consumed with like getting the answer and I, I couldn't get the answer. And it, it is the problem me, you know, um, am, am I just not like good enough or like, I, I don't know, but, um, it, it just, I, like I was, it, you know, it, it, it was hard. And, and the thing is, it's like, um, like, uh, so that it was a Sunday and this was just a few weeks, you know, before the, like they changed the, the bishopric, but, um, it was a Sunday. Uh, I, I had taken like a late nap and, and I woke up from my nap and, and like for the first time, like in my life, it's just like, I had thought like, it's not true, you know? And, uh, it was just like, you'd have to understand like where I was at and like the depression I was feeling and like struggling so hard to get an answer. Like I felt relieved. Like I felt like this like incredible relief, um, you know, because like, well, if it's not true, then that kind of answers it, you know, like that's why there's all these things that don't make sense, you know, and that, um, you know, and, and I remember like, like I woke up from the nap and I just had that thought. And I remember telling my wife, you know, like, I, I think the answer might be that it's not true. Um, but then like, it's like that, like I felt relief for a little bit. Right. Um, but it's like after it wasn't long, but like the relief kind of like replaced itself with like, um, like thoughts that like, well, shoot, like if the church is true, like what's the point? Um, and like, I think I, you know, I told you like, um, like I would have, like, I, I felt relieved to have an answer, you know, but then I thought like, well, if it's not true, there's no point. Um, and, uh, and so like that last Sun, like the Sunday where they changed the bishopric, I just couldn't bring myself to go to church. Yeah. And it's like Rachel and I, um, my wife, you know, we tried to come up with like something to do that day, like an excuse to be out of town, but we we just like we stayed at home and i just like stayed in bed and we didn't go to church to be released but it's just because i couldn't bring myself to stand you know in front of the ward and like i don't know yeah 
and going on from my perspective, you know, I was there and I, I remember sitting in that sacrament like, now where's Heath? <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't like, tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I knew, and at this point we'd have some of these conversations. I knew you were sort of going through this process, but yeah. I was just like, man, like he's my friend. Like I want him here. Like we've, we've sort of been in the, in the ditches together. We we've been in this bishopric and, and it's ending and it's kind of a, a reflective meeting, you know, as they generally are, as those changes are happening. Um, but now knowing what I know, I, I, cause we would have had just had, would have had you stand with your wife and, yeah. and share your testimony. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I can understand going through that, why you wouldn't want to be there. Um, so let's just pause for a minute here. And, and again, man, this is, this is, this is a tough episode because <laughs> it's a little personal for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I have, I've been so blessed from our, our interactions that I've got to share this. Um, and so I don't want this to seem like, okay, I've brought this guy on the, 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 the podcast and he has received this answer that the church isn't true. Yeah. And um, I'm not trying to make it sound right, that way either. Right. And I want to just make sure people listening that that is, that's just what your experience, what you were going through. You were in such a, such a race to, to get that, that confirmation yeah. to, to gain that certitude that when the thought who I would claim where the thought would come from, may be different where you would claim the thought would come, yeah. come from. When that thought came across your mind of, well, maybe it just isn't true. And suddenly that stress lifts. Yeah. Nobody can blame you for entertaining that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you were depressed. You had been fasting. You'd been going to the temple. You've been begging for this answer. Yeah. Right. And way back in primary, we've had those lessons of, okay, you just, you know, you read Moroni, then you pray and the answer come. And, and absolutely that has been, a, 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 that's a very simplified experience of what mine had, my experience has been. I have received that witness yeah. and, and I am, I mean, I'm giving my life to this church through my yeah. service. I mean, the time, the things I've given, I, I really feel like I've, I've received that. But my heart just breaks that when you're going through that, I wish, again, this isn't about what I could have done or couldn't have done, but I wish I could have done something, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't know if we'll discover through this, uh, through this interaction what that thing is. But again, this, is the per this comes to the, the, the purpose of this interview. As, I, as leaders are listening, they need to stop and just ask themselves, do I have any Heaths <laughs> in my ward? And what are you going to do about it? Right? Now, we had, and, and going back to when we were still serving, we had these interactions where you just said, you know, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. And I, and we had some good discussions and, yeah. and, and I validated what you're saying. I didn't yeah. say, oh, Heath, come on. Like, yeah. you know, forget about it. I, I really tried to validate it. And yeah. to be honest, I walked away from those interactions feeling like, you know, Heath's okay. Yeah. You know, like he's struggling and that's cool. But I, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about you. You know, I, I thought you were sort of coming out of it. Yeah. I, and yeah. And, and, and just to say something on what you said, like, I've never claimed that like that thought that the church wasn't true. I've never claimed that that was revelation. Yeah. Um, but the thought was there. It's the first time I'd ever thought it. And I did feel relief, but I, I don't know. 
yeah. Yeah. And that's where I go back to. Nobody can blame you if, if in yeah. that moment that, that you entertain that idea and the stress went away. Yeah. Um, to me, I look back and that was, how can I, how can I raise my kid to, to believe in these principles and, and understand the process of getting a testimony and no, without building that stress as they go through that process. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And as we interact with members, how can we, how can we interact with these members and encourage them towards testimony without building that stress? Yeah. And yeah. And, and as like, you know, about like, cause me and you had, like you mentioned, we had talked, like I, you know, I told you, you know, like, you know, that like I was struggling, you know, like with doubts and with my testimony. Um, and I remember like you had made the comment, like not that you were going to release me, but that maybe like you should release me from the bishopric. Mm-hmm. And this was before, you know, like we knew you were going to get called into the stake presidency. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know, like, I, I don't know that like, um, it's, it's hard to know what I was thinking back then, but I mean, like, I, you know, like I was probably trying to like act like maybe like things were more like better than they actually were. Hmm. I didn't want to be released. Like, yeah. I didn't think I needed to be released. Um, and I, I don't I, think I, and just to clarify, yeah. I, I wasn't necessarily saying, well, maybe we should release you because, wow, yeah. we can't have somebody with doubts in, in the bishopric. Yeah. But more, I was just like, listen, you, you're, and you were starting your, your yep. law practice at this yep. time. You had a lot coming at you. You were sleeping in your office sometimes. <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. You were, you were just very stressed there. So I kind of approached that like Keith, like, listen, yeah. if we need to release you, yeah, I'm not going to, it's not because you failed or you're yeah. not going to be as disappointed in that. So no, and, and you're absolutely right. And that, and that's, that's the way I, I remember it too. I mean, you were definitely, it was coming from a place of love and, and, you know, like, you know, we're friends and, and I did, that's, that's the way I took it too. But like, I honestly thought like that I was just like, it was just, there was a struggle and there was, a, you know, I was going to come out the other end with, you know, this perfect knowledge that it was all true. Like, I really thought that. Yeah. And you were in the struggle and the struggle is going to be worth it. Yeah, right? I guess. Yeah. So let's kind of finish the story to bring us up to, because this was a year ago that the change happened. Yeah. And uh, so, and I remember um, after, soon after we released, you sort of, you met with the bishop and the new bishop and just said, listen, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm not, yeah. not out, but I'm just going to step away from being involved in the church. Like at that point. So when, when they called the new bishop break, um, at that point, like I, I had completely like lost my testimony of Joseph Smith or, you know, the Book of Mormon and, and stuff. So, um, I think it, you know, um, my brother-in-law was getting married around that, around that same time. Um, and my temple recommend was expired. So, um, like I, I had, like I, re- I renewed my temple recommend, you know, and I felt guilty for it because, um, I don't know. The, I think the question is like, you know, do you have a testimony of, which is very vague. So I think I kind of justify like, well, you know, yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. Like a testimony so, can go either way. Right. Yeah. Cause you weren't, I mean, you, I, I really wanted to like go to that, the wedding. Like I didn't want to like be excluded from my brother-in-law's wedding, you know, my, mm-hmm. and, and so I ended up and not family and that family knew nothing of what you were going through. Exactly. Like I hadn't shared anything with them or anybody. And not going to mean, I mean, yeah. Like, oh, come on, man. You just let your temple recommend expire. Like get the temple recommended so you can come to my wedding. Right. Exactly. You know, I ended up not going to the wedding anyways. Hmm. Um, but it's because like, um, I had a client come to my office that had like a very urgent like case. And, you know, I slept in my office for like three days, like, and worked around the clock to do that case. And I missed my brother-in-law's wedding anyways. Um, but then like right after the wedding, um, 
I came into the new bishop's office and, and, uh, you know, I gave him my temple recommend just because I felt like it would be dishonest for me to have it because I, I couldn't say I believed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what transpired from, cause from there, I think you really, your family wasn't really at church yeah, very no. regular after that. Um, what, what transpired between that and then the resignation? You know, we just, we stopped coming to church. I think I, um, you know, we, we have a good mutual friend that was in the ward and it was like their last Sunday. And I think that was like the only time that we had gone to church in like the last, I don't know. I, you know, I think that's the only time I've come to the Lee ward in like the last year. Yeah. So, I mean, like really we just, we stopped coming to church. You know, I started, I started listening to some, like to a lot of podcasts, you know, they deal with like Mormon LDS topics, you know, I was searching for something that like kind of talked about all these issues with church history. Um, but and like recognize that like maybe there were some problems there, you know, and, and kind of validated it. I think that if I would have like found something like that, like early on, I don't know, it's, it's hard to know like what I would have done, but I mean, I think I've come to like, like a place like where I'm at currently where like, I feel like I could start going to church again. Um, but like my testimony is just, I don't know that it'll, you know, be what it was before. I don't know. I don't know if any of this makes sense, but. Sure. Um, actually that the bishop that replaced me, um, he was only in for six months and had to move and, uh, because of family situations and, um, and then a new bishop was called and and I remember coming to church, uh, one Sunday and the bishop, uh, mentioning to me that, uh, they had gotten these, the resignation letters from your family. And I was like blown away, like, like, and, and to, to be honest, it completely broke my heart. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, I served with you so long. I knew your family and it's like, well, you know, it's, it's fine that they separate, but I don't, you know, I hope they don't feel like they have to resign. Like, yeah. and so, it, yeah. and it almost made me thought, man, maybe they're more bitter than I thought, you know? Yeah. And, and you've mentioned that you just found that letter that's online and yeah. it says all the right legal things and, and, and sent it in. And that letter sounds pretty bitter. Like if anybody read it, like, man, what's this guy's problem? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I told you like, there's a website I, and I kind of told you like, it's almost as easy as buying something on Amazon where, oops, I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to take it that far. But, but the thing is, it's like, like the decision. So like to resign, like, it's just, there's a website. It's just like, yeah, you don't have to write up anything. I mean, it's just, you it's, get print and then fill your names in or yeah exactly so it's just putting your name on a form letter that gets sent to the church from yeah. this website so i mean it only takes a couple minutes and then you're, it's done right. and so um and and it was kind of i guess like a rash decision but um you know i i just the thing is like with me it's like um like i like i've always kind of been like all or nothing you know like no half efforts and it's I wasn't going to church and I, I didn't want to be, you know, like a Jack Mormon or, you know, if I was going to have a religion, I didn't want to like half live it, you know? And plus, like I had this thought, you know, like, well, this is, this doesn't mean this is like forever. It just means that, you know, this is where I'm at right now. Like, you know, re, as far as resigning, um, cause you know, and plus like, I don't want to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. And I, you know, I get asked like at work, you know, like if I'm LDS, you know, I, you know, we live in Salt Lake, you know, it's Utah. Right. So it's, it's a common question, you know, oh, are yeah. you LDS? So for those months, like that, we weren't going to church and like that, I, you know, stopped believing in Joe Smith and the book of Mormon. Like I just, it was so hard to answer that question. Cause I felt like if I said, yes, I was being like, not honest, but like mm. what other answer was there? And so I, I don't know. I, part of me thought it would just make it be easier. Cause then I could just truthfully tell people like, no, I'm not LDS, you know? Mm-hmm. 
but like honestly like it hasn't gotten any easier like it's still <laughs> it's still like you know probably even just more awkward yeah. and and i don't know probably like maybe once a week like i just like man like maybe a little bit regret resigning and think like it was i don't know you know yeah. like was that the right thing to do yeah so where how would you describe what what where are you at right now with with it all i mean emotionally with with your perspective on it all where- so i mean here here's the good part like i feel like i'm happier than I've been in like a really long time. And, and it's not just like, you know, I, and, and it's not just like the ups and downs and I'm just on an up, you know, like, it, like I really feel like overall, you know, like, like I just feel like more at peace and I just feel like I don't have this inner t- turmoil inside of me, like killing me, like that I have to find out like that it's all true, you know? Cause I, I guess I've just kind of like let that go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I told you that like, um, so the thing is when I was going through all this, like, you know, I, I did what I thought I was supposed to, like, I stayed away from anything that like websites or podcasts or anything that would be like considered like against the church, you know? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like, after we stopped going, you know, and like a few months later that like maybe that, that I started listening to some of that stuff. But honestly, like, I feel like some of that stuff has kind of like helped me because I didn't know that there was like, um, like people like me that doubted. And I, and honestly, I, um, people at church don't talk about that. They have doubts. So like, I just thought that maybe everybody like had these, you know, strong testimonies or like, I, I don't know, like, I just, I didn't know like anyone that was in my position. And so I think that, um, you know, now, now that I've kind of like found some of these podcasts and like listened to some people and, and I've listened to some things where like, um, where people have issues about church history, yet they still find like they, they, they still believe in the church or like come to church, you know, and they mm-hmm. still serve in the church and stuff. And honestly, like, I feel like, um, like, I, I feel like I, I could find my place in the, you know, in the church that way, where it's like, there's so many good things about the church, but for some reason, like in my mind, at least like it, it all kind of came down to Joseph Smith and the book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm at a place in my life now where it's like, I could just say like, you know, I, I don't care about church history anymore. It's just like, it is what it is. Um, but like, there's still like good things about church. And I think like I could come to church and I think I could like, um, you know, like I, I'm at a point in my life, I guess, where I could just kind of let that stuff go. Yeah. But I wasn't before, you know? And when you say that, I'm, I'm thinking, and when you said it initially in, in our, uh, in our conversations off, off the, the recording here, um, as a leader and as a bishop, I ask myself, how can I, how can I have people that are struggling with this? How can I get them to that point before the resignation? Because I don't yeah. think, and I mean, you'd agree that the resignation didn't help you get there. It was just sort of part of that timeline. Yeah, right? exactly. It, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, I needed to resign so I could step back and look, but you said it was done sort of hastily. Yeah. And then, um, and then you decompressed a little bit yeah. and we're able to look back and think, you know what, you know, and you looked, you discovered others like you yeah, um, and thought, wow, you know, other people are doing it. Other people, I'm not the only person in the world that have, have this concern. Yeah. And so what would you say to a bishop? Like how, I mean, if we could turn back time a little bit, like, is there anything that could have been done to help you have that decompression? I don't know. Cause like I was in a bad spot. Like I was in yeah. like the darkest point of my life. I mean, it, it was, it, I don't know. I, you know, it, yeah, I, I th- that's a good question. I mean, like, yeah. And then that, that's, it, these are the, the things I love to ponder over and think about because this is such a crucial 
a crucial turning point. Yeah. Because I don't, though you're not a member on paper, you're being the truest to yourself than many members are. Right. I, I think a lot of people get caught up in the culture of the church and they think, well, every, everybody goes to church and, but you know, in their private lives, they're not reading the scriptures. They're not, you know, really focused there, but it fits into their day-to-day culture. Right. And I don't mean to make a general statement about the membership of the church, but, um, but you recognized what you believed and where you're at and you made, you took a decision and now maybe some of those decisions were more haste, hastily. You know, I, yeah. And I'm just thinking about, you know, like a question, like maybe, maybe it would have been a good thing to be released from the bishopric. But then again, I mean, like there's such a stigma with that. I mean, it's like, oh, like what did he do? You know, but that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Like when, when I was, yeah. I don't know that there was anything that could have taken that pressure off. Yeah. Once it, once it built up, you know, but I, I don't know. It's hard to, yeah. you know, I, cause honestly like stepping away, um, for, for, you know, a few months, um, like I just, I feel just better, you know, like, and I'm not. And stepping away, you don't mean resigning. I don't want people to yeah, think like, no. you know, resigning helped because it helped me step away, but you've just, it's been a way that's forced you to step away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, cause you know, like when you're struggling with doubts and you're in the bishopric, I mean, I, I don't know what other wards are like, but in the Lee ward, I mean, like you're getting called multiple times a week during yeah. the week to get blessings. Um, your to give rides, yeah, to, to give rides. Like there's just a lot yeah. of needs and we're in the inner city. It's, it's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And, and so like you're, you're giving blessings or you're like, you're, you're going over to people's homes that are really struggling and like, you're like, Man, I'm struggling too, you know, but you're trying to like build them up and like yeah. help people. And it was just, that was difficult for me. Cause I was, you know, like, I didn't want to be inauthentic. I didn't want to like pretend it, it was important to me to not pretend that like I was a strong believer if I wasn't. So, yeah. You know, you know, there's this, uh, there's this, uh, this book I haven't read it. It's above my pay grade, uh, called anti-fragile. And it's this concept of being anti-fragile, you know, uh, you have to, you have to tear your muscle in order to build muscle. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it all goes back to this balance where I feel like sometimes we try and be so strong. We try to be so convinced of the gospel that we got kind of go down the path you do. I'm going to fast, fast more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to the temple more. And in reality, pushing that way rather than stepping back, actually, man. And I don't, I'm not trying to sound controversial yeah. saying like, well, maybe you should just go out and tell people to stop coming to church, whatever. But how can we get as leaders, how can we get members that are in this state to just step back and take a break for a minute? And that, and that doesn't mean like you ask them, okay, we need you to not come to church for six weeks. But if I was to go back again, we're, we're, this is more of analysis of me and and my leadership style and how I approach it, because hopefully uh, leaders listening can analyze this, but how can we approach these, these members that are going through this doubt and just saying, I just want you to stop praying about it for a minute. Give certitude a rest. Yeah. And just come to church, like do nothing else, but just come to church, sit in the back yeah, and just take it in. Yeah. Right? yeah. Don't, don't try to be a hundred percent home teacher. Don't try to, to go. If you don't want to go to the second hour, don't go to the second hour. If you don't want to go to the third hour, don't go to the third hour. Yeah. Just come to church, take in what you can go home and just love your family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I, I was driving myself crazy and I was making myself incredibly depressed. Just, trying 
to you know, like yeah. I, I have to get the answer and I need it now. Yeah. You know? And you're pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah. And then that thought came through your mind. Well, maybe it isn't true. Yeah. And that was suddenly the easier path. Yeah. And that was the answer that was, that was the only answer coming at that point. So I'm going to take it. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was not comfortable then at all with uncertainty. Yeah. But I really believed that like, man, that's such a powerful statement. He <laughs> listen to that. Yeah. I was not comfortable with uncertainty. Yeah. And I think if, if members can, cannot say that there's a problem. Yeah. Cause he, I, I promise you right now I'm, I'm pretty certain I, I've had such remarkable experiences as a leader. And when I stand up in state conference and, and I, I bear my testimony, there's, there's some statements of certitude there of, of hyperbole. Yeah. But that doesn't mean everybody's experience has to, has to be that, or everybody's path to certitude needs to be there, nor is the goal certitude. Yeah. And I, and I feel so much that we, we blind ourselves by thinking I need to be able to, to stand up in sacrament meeting and say, I know, I know, I know. And then I get a, a star on my forehead and I sit down and I say, I'm one of you. Yeah. Right. And so going back to that, what was it? What was the statement that I, I wasn't comfortable with uncertainty? I wasn't, we have to be on, we have to be comfortable with uncertainty. Yeah. We have to be that as leaders. We have to be uncomfortable with a gospel doctrine teacher that stands up that is uncertain about things. We have to be, we have to be comfortable with a, a counselor in the bishopric that is uncertain about things. You know, um, um, I've told you, you know, one of the podcasts I listen to is um, secular Buddhism. Um, and the guy that does the podcast was actually um, like a AP in my mission. Um, oh, in is he still a member of the church? Or? He, he says he is. Um, he put on a workshop here in Salt Lake and I went to it um, like last December. Um, and uh, it honestly, like it was, it was amazing. And it brought so much peace to me. Like after the workshop, like I just, for a couple of days, I couldn't talk about anything else, you know, like with my wife, just, but one, like one thing that I've learned from like the secular Buddhism, um, is that like, you know, like what's important is like the here and the now, like this life, like, and, and, you know, cause I think, I, I don't know anything about Buddhism, but like I've, right. you know, I've listened to this podcast and, you know, and I, I've tried to learn and, and one of my clients is a Buddhist temple. And so I've spent hours and hours talking um, with my client, you know, about Buddhism and stuff. And one of the, one of the things that I've taken away from Buddhism and, um, you know, not that this is like their core teaching, but like to be okay, they're okay with uncertainty. Like they're not so worried about like, at least from my point of view, like, um, you know, having all the answers. It's just like, you can't control what the truth is. You can't control what is after this life and what isn't after this life. You, you can't control any of it. So, you know, like kind of like, and that's okay. And like, you know, and, and like, all, you know, is like, this is what you have and, and, you know, kind of cherish the present moment and don't get yourself so worked up about like what's coming next. Yeah. And, and that really helped me, um, you know, just, yeah. Cause I, I think that, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's about, you know, it's okay to not have all the answers. Yeah. In the culture of the church, I feel like we sometimes almost brag about that certitude, right? Yeah. Well, the one true church. Right. Um, and I'm again, I'm not trying to make this controversial podcast. I am here to believe, I, I truly believe this is the one true church, but how do we define that? Yeah. And sometimes we define a way that that means nobody else's true church is true at all. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, and it's these statements as leaders is similar to the, the article I wrote about the, your, um, 
you're without a shadow of a doubt testimony is hurting your leadership. And this is what I'm talking about is when we stand there and we, we, we talk with such conviction and certitude, those without conviction and certitude think that they haven't, they've done something wrong and they haven't arrived. Right. Yeah. And so, but if we stand there and let the ward members know that we're okay with our own uncertainty, they'll be okay with their uncertainty and then they'll come back. Right. And I would be foolish to say that I'm certain about every last principle of the gospel, every last uh, part of history that's happened because, because I'm not, I don't, I I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a scholar. I'm not an intellectual. I, I can't talk myself out of any, any question, but nonetheless, something is calling me. Yeah. To this, to this church, to this gospel, to Joseph Smith and who he was. And, yeah. but, um, but sometimes that, that posture of, yeah. of, of the one true church sometimes hurts other individuals trying to, to arrive there. I, I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, no, you are, you know, and I, I've, I've told you, you know, like I haven't forgotten about like the spiritual experiences I had, you know, like in the church, like my mission was amazing. Like I, it was, it really was the best two years, you know, like I, um, you know, and I, there's so many good memories of the church and, you know, that I, that I hold on to, like, you really do. Like I, you feel good going to church, you know, like if I, yeah, I mean, there's a good feeling there for sure. And like, they're good people. Like, I, you know, I like, I love, you know, members of the church. Um, and that's the thing, like, I miss it, you know, like, mm-hmm. The, the, like the times, you know, in the last few months where like, I've really regretted like resigning is because like, you know, somebody that I really respect or, you know, like a peer, um, has like invited me to dinner, you know, and they're LDS and, um, you know, like, it's just, they you know, nobody knows I resigned cause it's not like, I don't, yeah. I just don't talk about it, you know, right. and I'm not trying to hide it, but, um, you know, like I've gone to dinner with people I really respect and they're, you know their, you know, leaders in their wards and stakes and stuff. And I just like, man, like, you know, I, I regret, or I, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. It's like, I'm not trying to hide the fact that I resigned and I would totally openly tell them that I resigned. If they asked me, you know, like, Oh, what's your calling now? You know, like I would not try to hide it at all, but like, I'm just kind of secretly hoping it doesn't come up because I think like if they found out like their opinion of me would change and like, I'd lose that relationship. And I don't, I just, I miss those relationships, you know, and like, I, I miss coming to church and I miss, being with people and having that connection. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember one, uh, during one of our lunches, he said something that really, really stood out to me is, you know, as you've sort of gotten to a better place and you've been struggling still with some of these historical facts that still bother you and things, but you've kind of discovered, discovered other people have put them, them aside and, and are still believing and yeah. Um, and he said to me, what if, well, what if it's just a, what if it really is just about Christ? Yeah. And when he said that kind of stopped you and I said, Heath, it is just about Christ, you know, and sure. I mean, the Lord has its, his, 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 uh, his pattern th- through prophets. And yeah. uh, by saying that it doesn't diminish Joseph Smith's role or Brigham yeah. Young's role or, but it truly is about Christ. Yeah. And, uh, his grace and, and that I'm no farther further along the path than you are. Yeah. Though on paper I have some ordinances and those ordinances are helping me uh, progress, but we're, we're all in this together. We're all learning in our different paths. And, and, you know, I think right now the, some of these decisions you've made, um, or they've been done in haste, but, but I think we can always go back to the, like Christ is still there and his, his atonement still works for you. Yeah. You know, you, you always have that option of, of coming back and returning 
to the church, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Honestly, like I I told you um, uh, when we were out to lunch like that, uh, like I'd read this story of somebody that had resigned and came back and it was like two and a half year process or something. And I was just like, oh man, like I didn't know, I didn't know like that's what it was. And I, I don't you know. You expect it to be shorter or, or longer or what? I thought, I thought like when I was ready to come back, I'd just come talk to you or, you know, like my bishop, <laughs> like, all right, you let's know, do like, this. yeah, Fill the font, they're right? like, okay, like, yeah, you're ready to go. Let's baptize you. But it's not like, I mean, I get, I, and I honestly, like all I did, I read one person's story right. and, and I don't know if it's, you know, really how it is or if it's changed or whatnot, but from what I understand, like it takes like a year. Yeah. You got to come to church for like a year and like keep all the commandments and everything. And then like, um, you know, confessed all your sins while you resigned and everything. And then after a year you can get rebaptized. And then after another year, um, you can get like your temple, the temple blessings restored. restored. Yeah. And, and I think it, you know, what I read was it involves some letters to like, you know, church headquarters and like the first presidency, you know, mm-hmm. of all your sins and stuff. And they make yeah. a determination whether you can come back and, <laughs> that's pretty serious. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. I didn't know that that's what it was. Yeah. And when you said that to me, I'm just so, I'm so happy you're thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not that you're, you know, thinking about it every day or whatever, but yeah. you know, it's an option, man. And, and, uh, and like we talked about at our, at our lunches that, um, and you're always welcome here, you know, and, and yeah. I don't think anybody, especially our ward, uh, it turns over every six months. So nobody really knows either of us anymore, but, um, man, I hope you do just come and gain and just be that person that this sit there and, and absorb what comes and, and, uh, don't worry about the, the, the stress of the pressure yeah, of being that perfect member. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. And we, it's already been mentioned, but like, really like it sticks out of my mind. Like, you know, there's a person that has a blog, you know, and, they said that, you know, really they don't care about church history. Like they just, they care about the good parts of the church. And like, I really feel like, like after hearing that, and of course I just recently heard that, you know, like yeah. I'm already resigned, but I was like, huh, like I could do that now. You know, yeah. I could be, I could be that Mormon. But then I think like, man, like, like a few years ago, like if I, I don't know, like, you know, like I, come if I came back to church, I might be like the type of Mormon I would have hated a couple of years ago, you know, that, but I don't know. But that's okay. Right? I mean, because that's the thing. Like, we we've got to be okay with those those Mormons. Like, there's not a Mormon that nobody has fit box yeah. in the church. They just anybody's welcome here, right? Yeah, yeah. Like when people have like certain like attitudes or things like you know like that problems with the church. You know, people are like, oh, go find another church. That was my attitude a couple of years ago. But I would have a different attitude now. You know, like I think it's good to like invite people to have different perspectives, and that's yeah. okay. You know, because I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any of the answers. Okay. My last question is a tough okay. one. Yeah. Um, will you just share with us like your testimony, like where it's at and you, you can say whatever you want, even if it's something I would disagree with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I still pray. I, I can't not pray, you know? Um, and I pray, um, like somebody's listening, even though now I'm not sure somebody is or not, you know? And that's the thing. Like I, I hope there's a God and I hope he loves us. Um, I, I hope that families, you know, are forever. Um, I, you know, I, I hope that there's something after this life. Like I really want there to be, um, but I just don't know anymore. Um, but I, I've come to a point where I'm okay. Like I'm okay. Not knowing, like I love my family. Um, I love my job. Um, you know, like I, like I really care about being a good person. Um, 
if you know and like raising my kids to like be good people and to just love others and so um i don't know that's pretty weak but um i you know like i just i hope i hope god exists i hope you know christ is there i hope he's listening to my prayers um and i hope i can be like you know with with my friends and family after this life i really want that to be true That concludes my interview with Heath Becker. I hope many of you that have sat here and listened to this episode have thought of an individual in your ward, or maybe the counselors in your presidency, or maybe you've been inspired to reassess your perspective on individuals who you think have the strongest testimony of certitude. And just to conclude this episode, I just want to expound a little bit on what I've learned through my relationship with Heath. And as you can listen, I'm encouraged by how he talks about things. I'm encouraged that he's actually interested in the process of what it takes to become again a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And I hope in the future there can be a second part to this episode talking about his return. And if he doesn't, you know, I'll still love Heath and his family always. And it's obvious that, you know, membership in the church is is not what defines love for anybody. And I think most members of the church would, would feel the same way. But consider this quest for certitude that we encourage in the church. And it's a good quest. I feel like I've gone through my own version of that quest for certitude. And I've had remarkable experiences. I've had spiritual experiences. I've stood at the lecterns of the church and testified in my own way about things that I feel pretty certain about. Now, I've never seen an angel. I've never heard a voice from heaven tell me these things, but I have had experiences that in my own way testify to my heart that Joseph Smith was in fact a prophet and that what he did and and translated was the word of God. I'm aware of the sticky history, the messy facts that for some make that more difficult to believe even when they've had a spiritual witness of in some form, in some way, whether strong or weak. And I don't think anybody, any leader in the church as they stand and testify boldly are meaning to diminish others. When in fact, those words of power sometimes build up others and testify to others. And for me personally, I've sort of just discovered through this relationship with Heath, this paradox that happens with a bold testimony. It can build some, but at the same time, alienate others. And in no way am I calling that across the board, we water down testimonies so they don't alienate anybody. I think they definitely do more good than, than bad. And it's not about testimony per se, but it's about being aware of individuals who hear those testimonies and crave to own one themselves. They crave the certitude that people like myself experience. And I'd be foolish to say that I'm 100% certain, but boy, am I certainly convinced. So consider the individuals that are doubting in your ward or in your group. Consider the relationship you have with them. And when they're begging from their knees for a spiritual witness above all other witnesses that will convince their heart of the truthfulness of this gospel, And for some reason, it hasn't come in the way that they've thought. Maybe it has come, but not in the way that they expected. And so they're they're not ready to accept maybe those messages, those spiritual witnesses that come. Or maybe it hasn't come yet for some reason. How can we help them just step back for a minute and give their quest for certitude a break? Because that very quest for certitude is what is leading them to uncertainty. This is the great paradox of leadership is to encourage and challenge and push, push, push to become greater and become more 
and to accomplish things above our capacity, but at the same time, not diminishing them and discouraging them and giving them more and more examples of why they don't measure up. I don't have the answer to that. And and I don't think this episode was meant to give that answer, but maybe spend some time pondering over how can we encourage individuals to try the quest for certainty without discouraging them and putting too much stress on them to get there today. I'd love your feedback. I'd love your thoughts and perspectives that you've had during this this interview. I know I've been been blessed by my relationship with Heath and his family and, and understanding what they're going through. And I hope now that you've heard his story, you've been blessed as well. And that concludes this throwback episode of the Leading Saints podcast. Now that we've reached the end of the episode, I quickly want to thank you for supporting the Leading Saints podcast. There's so much content out there to consider, and you picked this one. If Leading Saints has made an impact in your life, we would sure like to hear about it at leadingsaints.org contact. And if you could quickly text or email this episode to a leader you know, I bet it will bless their life. You can mark off your good turn daily, and let's even call it ministering. Okay, maybe not that far. But seriously, thank you and help us share this content. Remember, go to leadingsaints.org 14 to hear the Packard family's experience of when loved ones leave the church. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.